Thank you, Brother Mike. I appreciate that message through testimony. Turn to your Bibles, if you would, to Acts chapter 16. I hope you'll find verses 6 through 15. Today's message is entitled, Going Where God Calls. That's exactly what we need to do is go where God calls. Acts chapter 16, verses 6 through 15. Some of you may not know, but I grew up here in uh, this area. I was born here in Douglas and uh, raised out between Douglas and Pearson on the county line out in the country, a little farm. And I attended a church, Harmony Grove Baptist. I don't know if you know where that church is, a very small church. It was there that I heard the gospel preached and uh, received Christ as my Savior. I was baptized, not in the church that didn't have a baptistry, but uh, we found a place to baptize me, and uh, I was excited about that. But, you know, growing up in that little country church environment was a blessing and uh, we we sang some of those old hymns that are so dear to us even to this day one of those hymns we sang was entitled send the light how many have ever heard that hymn it's a great message to it i want to read some of the words there's a call comes ringing or the restless waves send the light send the light there are souls to rescue there are souls to save send the light send the light We have heard the Macedonian call today, send the light, send the light, and a golden offering at the cross we lay, send the light, send the light, send the light, the blessed gospel light, let it shine from shore to shore, send the light, the blessed gospel light, let it shine forevermore. When I used to sing that song, I really didn't understand all that it meant, but I understand more clearly today what it means. And that's really the message of this hour. This song was inspired by the passage we're looking at tonight, Acts chapter 16, as we're going to be talking about the Macedonian call. Here in this passage, Paul, Silas, and Timothy were being used by God to take the gospel into places that had never heard the good news. They were seeing great success in their efforts. People were coming to faith in Christ. They were excited about beginning this second missionary journey and seeing more and more people come to faith in Christ, establishing churches and moving forward with God's call on their lives. But it was in that context that God redirected their plans. He changed their direction. Their sensitivity to the leadership of the Holy Spirit is emphasized in this passage, and that really is what I want to talk to us about this morning, as to how we are to learn to listen to and obey God's leadership. Now, we need to realize that God is calling us all to do a great work. He's calling us here as a church to do a great work. He's calling you as an individual to do a great and mighty work for Him. So we must listen to Him and obey Him if we fulfill that calling. It's not just that God calls the pastor and the staff. God calls all of us to be involved in kingdom work. He's called you, he's equipped you, he has prepared you, and the question is, will you and I obey him? Now, how do we know where God is calling us? I've often heard people ask the question, how can I know the will of God? There are two things that are very important in knowing God's will for your life. First of all, you have to know God. If you know God, he will reveal his will to you. 
Now, it may not be at the rate of speed that you desire. I found that the Lord gradually uncovers his will in my life. One reason that is true, I believe, is because if he were to show us all that he has in store for us, at one time we would be overwhelmed. We would be frightened by it. And perhaps even become prideful in realizing all that God wants to accomplish through us. But God opens up his will one door at a time as we obey him. So you begin to obey as a believer. You begin to obey God right where you are. With what you know to obey. Starting with his word. If we're, in a, if we're in violation of his word, if we're not obeying his word, we can't expect him to uncover more of his will to us. So you begin, young people, begin to obey God by obeying your parents. Doing what is right, doing what the Bible tells you to do. As you begin to do those small things that we see as small steps of obedience, God will uncover for us his glorious will. As we follow him. So let's begin to look at this story here in Acts 16. Beginning with verse 16. And and we begin to see God giving direction to those that he's called. And first of all he does that through restraint. We see the restraint of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit restrained the mission work of Paul, Silas and Timothy. They were going in one direction. Until God stopped them. He closed that door. Let's look at it here. We see he restrained them from speaking in Asia. The Bible says they passed through the Phrygian and Galatian region. Having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Notice that forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Now, it was not because there were not people in Asia who needed to hear the word. Asia was a dark place. And they needed to hear the gospel. But God said, this is not where I want you to go now. I want you to go in a different direction. So he closed the door. By the way, this is not the continent of Asia, but the province of Asia within the peninsula of Asia Minor. But God said, no, don't go there. I want you to go in a different direction. So he closed the door. That's how he directed them. By closing the door. Sometimes God directs us by closing the door. There's another example here. In that uh, verses 7 and 8 goes on and talks about how that uh, they were restrained to speak in Bethania. Let me read it for you. And after they came to Mysia, they were trying to go into Bethania. And the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. And passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas. Troas was a port on the Aegean Sea. So God had stopped them. He restrained them. He closed the door to Asia and Bithynia because he wanted them to go in a different direction. Sometimes when God closes a door in our lives, you know what we do? We have a spiritual pout. We get upset with God 
we get angry, angry with God and we begin to remind him about how faithful we are and how good we've been to him and how that he shouldn't be treating us this way. Have you ever done that to God? Maybe you prayed for something you thought that this was God's will and you really asked God to bring it to pass in your life. It seemed to meet all of the qualifications of being a good thing and yet God closed the door and you got a little angry with him. Friend, don't have a spiritual pout with God. Just concede that he knows more than you know. He knows more than we collectively know. He's all-knowing. There's nothing he doesn't know. So if God closes a door in your life, rejoice because he's going to open another one. He's trying to spare you from something. I'm old enough now to remember there have been times in my life where I thought something was God's will. I tried to help him out. And I would say, Lord, you know, I, I, this has got to be your will, Lord. And, you know, it meets all the standard qualifications for being your will. And, and Lord, I'm excited. Thank you for this. And I know it's going to work out. And God didn't allow the door to open. And I became a little upset with the Lord. And then as time passed, years down the road, looking back, I can see why God closed the door. And I can say, Lord, thank you for closing the door. Thank you for redirecting me. That would have been a disaster if I'd gotten what I'd asked for. When God closes the door, don't kick in the door. Look for the other open door. He will surely open another door in time. Trust him. Obey him. Listen to him. Now, we need to be moving forward. No question about that. We, we as God's people need to be people of action. We need to be obeying God and, and doing what he's led us to do to the, to the degree that he's shown us. Because God cannot direct you clearly if you're not in motion. He can't steer you. In other words, don't just sit at your house and say, Okay, God... Bring your will to pass in my life. I'm going to stay right here and do nothing until you do that. I'm going to play some video games. And I'm going to watch television until you find me a job, God. It doesn't work that way. God expects us to get up, to be in motion, and to do what we know to do so he can steer us. Now, if you don't think that principle is true... When you leave here later today after you attend Sunday school, I want you to go to your car and see how you can steer it without it being in motion. You can sit in that car all day and steer as best you can and sit no and go nowhere because you're not in motion. Be moving forward in your growth and development as a Christian. Be obeying God where he has shown you to obey and allow him the time to open the door where he wants you to go. What we find here is that Paul, Silas, and Timothy were in motion going about what they knew God was leading them to do, his call on their lives. But when he closed the door, they stopped going in that direction, and they began to look and say, okay, God, where is it you want us to go? 
And in time, God revealed to them his will. He will do the same thing for you in your personal life. He will do the same thing for us as a church. So we see the restraint by the Holy Spirit. That's one way God directs is through restraining us. There's a second way, though, and that is revelation. We see the revelation from the Holy Spirit. Now, before we move on very far down through this passage, I do want to point something out to you. This is kind of like a footnote, a little side note, but it's important. And that is, if you'll notice in verse 6, the Holy Spirit is mentioned. Having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit, look at verse 7. The Bible says they came to Mysia. They were trying to go to Beth- Bethany. Uh, and uh, the, the spi- notice this, the Spirit of Jesus. The Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. The Spirit of Jesus. Notice you have the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of Jesus mentioned here. Uh, you also have the Lord God leading them uh, uh, overall. If you'll read the whole passage here, this whole section of Scripture, God is leading them. So you have, you have a mention of God, the Father, God, the Spirit, God, the Son. All three, the Trinitarian view here is in play. Just a little footnote to, to this message, but... But as we look on now, we see that God sometimes uses a closed door to direct us. He restrains us. But sometimes God reveals to us his will through the Holy Spirit. Notice, if you would, in verse 9, the means of the revelation is said here to be a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing and appealing to him. Now, see, Macedonia, that is, uh, we talked about Troas being on the seacoast there. It was a port on the Aegean Sea. Macedonia was on the other side of this great body of water, the Aegean Sea. It was on the mainland of Greece. The cities of Philippi and Thessalonica were located there. This was a place, listen to this, this was a place where the gospel entered into Europe. The gospel entered into Europe at this place. Now, I'm glad it did because you and I are sitting here this morning. Here in America, Western civilization is a byproduct of what happened here on this occasion. Western civilization. You you see that word civilization? What civilized these peoples? The gospel civilized these peoples. And whenever the gospel is in retreat, so is civilization. And there is the advancement of barbarism. Here in our Western civilization, we see the influence of Christianity being suppressed and being weakened, what do we see as a result? Uh, barbarism. Barbarianism is, is the result. So uh, just, a, just an important note here that God is doing a great work here among his people. And, and this may give us a clue as to why he closed that door and opened this other door 
so that the gospel could go into Europe knowing that ultimately the entire world would be impacted by this move, by this redirection. What a great thing God is doing here. This is, this is God's revelation. He's leading them to do this and he does so by vision. The Bible says this vision appeared to Paul in the night. Now we don't know if he was asleep or if he was just, uh, he, it was at night and he had this vision. But what he saw was a Macedonian crying out, saying to him, notice it says in the text here, appealing to him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Come over here, help us. We're in need. So the means of the revelation is that the Holy Spirit used a dream, a vision of some sort, to communicate with Paul, and the message was for them to Go into this area and help the Macedonians. This is the Macedonian call. There's this great appeal. Come help us. Come here. Help us. And when, uh, when Paul saw this, his conclusion was that God is opening a door in this other direction. He closed the door first. Now he's opening the door. If you feel like God has closed a door for you in some area, thank Him, obey Him, and be looking for the next opportunity. Be looking for what God is doing and join Him. He has a purpose, He has a will in closing that door and opening the other door. And here is a man crying out saying, come help us. Come save us. You know, there's a world filled with people in that condition. I think about the fact that there are over 3 billion people in the world who have never heard the gospel. Many of these people have never even heard the name of Jesus. They need someone to go. They need someone to impact their lives. And I would say, you've heard me say, and you, I know you're going to get tired of this, but there are 47,000 people within 20 miles of this church, a 20-mile radius, who are unchurched. They need the gospel. No one should go to hell from Coffey County without hearing the gospel. God is sending us to go to these people. He's already positioned you there. He's already strategically placed you there in that environment. Think about all the places we scatter throughout the week. All the places we go. Some of you travel with your business. You may travel all over the southeastern United States. Some throughout the United States. And, and I know some, in fact, beyond the United States. And think about all the people with whom you come into contact. All the people in this region, we talk to literally thousands upon thousands of people every week. We encounter. Most of those people do not understand the gospel. Now, they may have heard of Jesus. But I'm telling you, they do not understand salvation through faith in Christ alone. They don't understand that. The Lord is sending us to impact them with that message. We're to be the first responders. We're to be out there sharing the gospel. 
Perhaps you've seen the movie Castaway. It's a story about a man that survived a plane crash. And he was able to get on some debris and float over to an island, a deserted island. One of the first things he did was to gather uh, debris and uh, other items and spell out the letters SOS. These letters are an international distress code. It is used to call for help. And the message is save our souls. In this passage, we learn that the Holy Spirit revealed to these missionaries that the Macedonians were in spiritual distress. They needed someone to come and help them. It was an urgent need. And we are facing a similar situation as Paul, Silas, and Timothy. There are people all around us, and yes, even throughout the world, who are in urgent need of the gospel. And so many of us are distracted by other things. Things that have no eternal consequence whatsoever. The Lord is calling us to join Him and He is revealing His will. One way He has revealed His will to us, the primary way, is through His Word. The preaching of this message today is God's effort to gain your attention. And to say to you, I have a call on your life. I have a purpose bigger than you can understand. I want you to do something for me that will impact the lives of people. God is issuing a call to us. Sometimes he restrains us. And then he reveals his will to us. Now, what should our response be? We see the response to the Holy Spirit in verses 10 through 13. Notice Our response should be obedience to the Lord. Let me read for you verses 10 through 12. When he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia. Concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, I love this because here he he talks about how The vision came, God's revelation, and then there was an immediate response of obedience. They didn't debate it. Uh, They were not pouting, thinking, well, God, we wanted to go into Asia. You close that door. They responded with immediate obedience. And that should be the response of God's people today. That we obey what he tells us to do. And they went and they preached the gospel there. They they felt God's call to go there and present the gospel message to the people in that area. So putting out to sea from Troas. Remember that support on the Aegean Sea. We ran a straight course to Samothrace. And on the day following to Napoleon. Neopolis, and that uh, Samothrace was an island in the Aegean Sea. Neopolis is a port city for Philippi. And from there to Philippi, which is a leading city in the district of Macedonia, a Roman colony, and we were staying in this city for some days. So 
First of all, there is this opportunity to obey the Lord that they seized. Look at verse 13. And uh, on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to a riverside where we, supposing that they would be, there would be a place of prayer. And we sat down and began speaking to the women who had assembled. So they have this uh, response from the Holy Spirit. Uh, The Holy Spirit gives them this direction and they respond to it. And then we see obeying the Lord is, is paramount for them. And this opportunity is seized. If you'll keep in mind in verse 13 uh, what Paul is, uh, is reported to have done with Silas and Timothy. Uh, it, it was Paul's custom to go to the, uh, to the synagogue. And that, that was one of the first places he would go when he went to a new city. And the reason he would go there is so that he would tell the people. He would preach to them. He would teach them ab- about Jesus. Now, there was no synagogue here, and in order to have a synagogue, you had to have 10 men who, uh, 10 Jewish men who were the heads of their houses. And uh, apparently that is not the case here, but we see a, a collection of believers, people who at least believe in God, the God of the Old Testament, but they have not heard about who Jesus is. And they're gathered here, and, and uh, they are made primarily, uh, they are made up primarily of women. Now, I want to stop and just say this about, about women. The Pharisees did not teach women. They forbade women to be taught. Jesus did teach women. Uh, he, he welcomed them to hear him as he taught. Here we see the same thing with Paul, Silas, and Timothy. I think we need to underscore that. Women have always been important in the work of God. God has always valued women. So should we. Any man who is truly a man will have love and respect for his wife, for his daughters, for his mother, and will respect other women as well. And that's what we find here, this this respect for women. But... They're responding to the call of the Holy Spirit. God has closed the door. God has revealed his new direction. And their response is obedience to this opportunity. And and, and essentially they are first responders here in Macedonia. They're the first ones in this critical situation where people need to hear the gospel. Uh, We have... Great respect for first responders, don't we? We have some who are members of this church. I'm very thankful for them. Who could forget the role that first responders played on 9-11? We just uh, observed the 18th anniversary of 9-11. It's hard to think 18 years have passed since that time. I can remember that day 18 years ago and uh, watching the footage coming out from the Twin Towers, how the smoke was billowing up out of those buildings that the planes had flown into, and knowing that there were people trapped on those upper floors, and then seeing the reports of some people because of the scorching heat trying to remove themselves from that heat just jumped over the edge and they were falling on the pavement below, a terrible scene to watch. And then how that there were hundreds of people streaming down the staircases trying to exit those buildings while others were trapped 
up on top. And while those who were coming down, they saw coming up the stairs, first responders, firemen, policemen were going up, putting their lives on the line to rescue those people who were trapped and dying on the tops of those buildings. Tragically, people are spiritually perishing around us and around the world. We must respond by taking the gospel to them, even if it costs us our lives. I believe that God is going to be calling some of you to go, to leave Douglas, and to go around the world. Have you considered that? You say, well, Pastor, I'm not equipped. I'm not capable. You know, what what would I do? What would I say? How would I go there? God will open those doors as you obey him. But have you ever considered that God could be calling you to do, do that type of work? In my former church, Tabernacle, we had five families living on the field. Most of them were living in places that were so dangerous we could not even use their names publicly in a service. And when we would send an email to them, we had to use coded language. They were brought up at Tabernacle. I attended with many of them. I went on mission trips with them. Watched them grow. And watched them give their lives. Doing a tremendous work for God in places where many of you have never heard the name of the town where they live. Laying down their lives. Common, ordinary people. Our tendency in our day is to choose a job and say, Lord, we want you to approve this. Lord, would you bless this? What God wants to do is to say, let me show you where to go. Let me open a door for you. But that door is not going to open until you're willing, uh, willing to go through the door. When you're willing to obey him and say, Lord, I'll lay it all down. I will go wherever you lead me. I will serve you, Lord, wherever you take me. When you come to that place, he will open the door. We are first responders here in this In this region and around the world, our response to the Holy Spirit should be obedience. And then finally, notice the results. We've talked about how God will restrain us sometimes with a closed door. Then he will reveal his will, his new direction for us. And then we respond to the Holy Spirit. And then notice the results that come. Look at verses 14 and following. We see the spread of the gospel in verse 14. A woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira a seller of purple fabrics. Now, as we are making our way through the book of Revelation, just a few weeks, we will be talking about this city, the city of Thyatira. One of the churches of the seven churches in Revelation is found there. And uh, as you will see, 
they were known for selling purple dyes and particularly purple fabric. This was a businesswoman. She was a believer in that she believed in the one true and living God, the God of the Bible, but she had not heard about who Jesus is. And so that's why Paul, Silas, and Timothy have been sent her way to share with her. Notice the Bible says that she was a worshiper, as I just mentioned, a worshiper of God, was listening. She, she, had, she was listening for God. She was listening for what he had to say. And the Lord opened her heart. Now, I hope you're listening this morning. Amen? That's why it's so important that you come on a Sunday morning and you listen to the word spoken because primarily that's how God's going to speak to you. It's through his word. And here she was listening to the word of God being taught by these three men. And then the Lord opened her heart. Her heart, she she realized who Jesus was. And the Bible says to respond to the things spoken by Paul. So she heard the message of the gospel as it was being spread. The seed was being cast out. It was being broadcasted. And then verse 15, notice uh, once she uh, responds, there's support for the gospel. And when she and her household had been baptized. Now I love this. Let me stop here for just a minute and say this. If you are Christian, I can promise you it's God's will you be baptized. If you've not been baptized by immersion since you've been saved, that's the next thing on, on your list you should do is be baptized. That could be holding some of you back because you're not willing to make a public declaration of your faith. I want to urge you to be baptized. And that's exactly what she did. She didn't wait for four or five months or or a year or two. She was baptized as soon as she could be baptized. And the Bible says, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. So she had support for the gospel. She says, you come, I will stay here and listen as you teach, you come, you'll have a place to stay in my home if you need it. She was supportive of their mission work. And so should we be supportive. When we hear the gospel and respond by faith, we should be baptized. And then we should join the effort in spreading the gospel. One thing, one thing I've noticed, in, and that is this, uh, when people come to faith in Christ, generally, they're the ones who are so desirous to spread the gospel. It's some of us who've been saved for a while that tend to be more silent because we forget what it was like to be lost. And we need to, we need to, uh, to, to remember what God has done in our lives. But the result from the Holy Spirit here is tremendous. God is moving, God is working, and uh, the result of their obedience is evident here in this passage. You know, farmers will tell you that if you don't plant, you don't reap a harvest. It is time for us as members of First Baptist to plant the seed of the gospel everywhere we go. Chuck Kelly, the former president of New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, said that Baptists are trying to reap a harvest on ground where we have not sown seed. It's time for us to go saturate our region with the gospel. One thing I can say to you is this. It is God's will that First Baptists share the gospel in our region. 
It is his will we do that. We don't have to debate it. We don't have to think about it. We don't have to pray about it. It's God's will that we share the gospel with people around us who need to hear the gospel truth. And then resulting from that will be a harvest of people who come into the kingdom. Let's share the gospel. Have you you noticed the process here? God is leading these people. He has a call on their lives. He does so by closing the door and then revealing another open door. Their response then leads to results. God may be doing that in your life. He may be closing a door. But he will open, if he has not already, he will open a door. And then we respond with obedience. And God will bring about the harvest. E.W. Blandy wrote these challenging words to the hymn where he leads me. I want you to listen and see if you can honestly pray this prayer to the Father. I can hear my Savior calling. I can hear my Savior calling. I can hear my Savior calling. Take thy cross and follow, follow me. Where he leads me, I will follow. Where he leads me, I will follow. Where he leads me, I will follow. He'll go with me, with me all the way. Friend, God is leading us. He's leading you. He's leading me. The question is, will we follow him? Father, we thank you for your word today, for the challenge of it. Simple story, but yet profound in its application. I pray that we will be sensitive to your leadership and that we will follow right where you have us to be. Wherever we are now, help us to do your will and look for the open doors that you have before us. And may we follow in obedience and see a great harvest for the kingdom. Is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.